Bonjour, squirrel friends. It's JBC. Be sure to catch all new episodes of Canada's Drag Race every Thursday night on the WOW Presents Plus app. Subscribe for only $3.99 a month for all the extra hot northern tea you can handle. Start your free trial now. Bonjour, 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 et bienvenue to the official Canada's Drag Race podcast. I'm Jeffrey Boyer-Chapman, resident judgy Judy of the North, and your squirrel friend spirit guide for all things Canada's Drag Race. I'm going to be joined every week by some incredible extra special guests, queens, and members of our Drag Race fam as we recap each week's episode from top to bottom. You'll get an inside peek into what we see from up on the judges panel and I'll kiki with the eliminated queen of the week about her experience in the workroom and on the main stage after she done already done had hers. But before we get into it, fair warning that this episode is going to be full of what? Spoilers. So be sure to watch along with us and stay up to date on all new episodes of Canada's Drag Race every Thursday night on WOW Presents Plus in the United States and select territories, on Crave in Canada, BBC Three in the UK, and Stan in Australia. And now, ladies and gentle them, start your engines and may the best woman win. Hey, squirrel friends, I'm here with the third Canadian queen to sashay into the workroom of RuPaul's Drag Race ever, Miss Jackie Cox. Hi, Jackie June. Oh my God, Salam Jeffrey June. How are you? Oh, uh, honey, I am so excited to have you here on the show with me. The first Canadian queen to join me on the pod. Oh, aside from Brooklyn, I guess. Yeah, forget her. Just me. How you doing, honey baby sugar child? I am so good. I am uh, still here in New York City, where I've been for the last four months. But you know, what what better place to be? I love New York, um, and so I'm happy to be here. I see that. I can see that you have the same background that you did during the reunion special with this gorgeous brick layout. And I lived in New York for years, and all I was thinking during the reunion was, where the hell does Jackie live that she got this sickening apartment in Manhattan? Where are you? Okay, so I'm in Hell's Kitchen, but let's, okay, let's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a caveat in there. I think my apartment looked way bigger on TV because <laughs> during the reunion, I was pushed all the way up against the opposite wall. So it looks like my, my living room is much bigger than it is. No, I was literally like, like talking with a wall like with like with plywood and plaster like in my face the whole time um so got it it, but it looked bigger on tv but you know for a hell's kitchen apartment i love it it looks great you have a it looks like you have a working fireplace in the background like you're set girl i never tried using it i think right now literally as i'm looking over there's some wigs in it why not put your (laughs) wigs in a fireplace i love it it's like carrie bradshaw style using your oven for storage you know you gotta do what you gotta do in new york this is how we live how are you doing how are things now that um well i would like to think that the the curve has begun to be flattened in in new york but how are you doing overall it was definitely a very scary uh, early few months this spring. Um, luckily, the curve has flattened a bit, but I also see New Yorkers still staying pretty vigilant outside. Good. We're wearing masks um, and we're staying as socially distant as possible and, you know, hoping that the city comes back to life slowly and safely. Mm, keyword safely. Well, hopefully us in Los Angeles here can take a note from y'all because things are just getting like crazier by the day, it seems. But 
I digress. Let's start talking about the show at hand. Ooh. Have you been watching Canada's Drag Race? Have you been staying up to date? Jeffrey, what kind of a question is that? Of course I've been watching. <laughs> I've been loving every minute of it. It is such an exciting season. And I said this right away from the first episode. I love how, I love the energy of this group of queens. And I love the energy from you guys as the judges, because everyone just seems so excited to be there and so excited mm. to be making history with this show as, you know, the first uh, English-speaking spinoff of Drag Race without RuPaul, but you guys are all mm. bringing so much energy and life into this show. It is such a joy to watch. I've been loving every minute of it. Oh, that's so lovely to hear, Jackie. Thank you. Did you did you personally know any of the queens in the cast prior to tuning in? Well, of course, uh, of, of course, I know Lemon from New York City. Um, you know, Lemon is, uh, you know, in, interrelated in, into all of the drag families that I'm participating in. Not super well, but it definitely uh, have seen Lemon perform before and was so excited to hear that she was going to be on the show. And uh, I've been enjoying watching her and all of the queens and getting to know all of them. I love the personalities. I just, I just love it. <laughs> I know. I just, I just love drag. I, I just, just love, love drag. drag. Me too. Where did your drag journey begin? Did you, did you spend time performing in Canada or did you cut your teeth in New York? So I really did cut my teeth in, in New York City, you know, as uh, I moved here first in 2010, um, mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Me too. I Me too. That's so funny. We could have crossed paths. We probably hung out at uh, any number of places that are now closed. Uh, probably. I'd probably yeah. just, just three booths down from you at Vinyl or one of those other places. <laughs> exactly. Hasn't been around in years. Um, yeah, I, start, I moved here in 2010, and uh, my previous exposure to drag had just been doing um, the musical uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I had <gasps> done... Uh, I'm sorry. Did you just catch that gasp? Did you <gasps> did you play Did you play Hedvig? I did. I did. This. Was, oh my god! I was way too young for the part, but I did it anyway. It was in Orange County, California, of all places, um, and I loved it. And so I moved to New York, you know, in theory to do more theater, um, and that wasn't really happening. And then a friend of mine was like, "Hey, I'm putting together this drag competition. I think you should do it." And that's when Jackie Cox was born. And here she is. Ten years later. <laughs> right, right, right. Years ago, I, I don't even know what year it would have been. Probably the 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 mid-knots, maybe 2006 or 2007. I have to shamefully admit that I had never seen Hedvig and the Angry Inch up until that point. But I was working as a scout and an agent at my modeling agency in Vancouver. And somehow there was like a queer film festival going on in Vancouver. And they were screening this documentary called Follow My Voice. And they were flying the director in uh, to come do a Q&A afterwards. And they asked me would you like be this director's like point person? Would you just hang out with him and take him to dinner and go to the screening and everything? I was like, sure. So I having no reference for it. So the director shows up the next day and it's John Cameron Mitchell. <gasps> and now I have the gay gas because <laughs> John Cameron Mitchell, why has he not been a judge on this show yet? Okay. We're going to get I him. Get we'll him. get there. We will get there. We will get there. But long story short, I got to spend a whole day and night with John Cameron Mitchell, having no real reference for the epicness that he is as a head vig. Uh, and then saw the film a couple of days later and just like was like in tears in like beside myself that I got to spend some time with this, this legend. And I don't know if we can talk about this, but I will say I'm so proud of him that he has been raising money to help save queer spaces here in New York City, selling mm. off pictures of him as Hedvig 
to raise money to save the Julius Bar, uh, which is the oldest operating gay bar here in New York City. Um, and, you know, for, for those listeners out there, uh, please support your local gay establishments if they're doing to-go, if they're doing a GoFundMe. Yes. That's my little soapbox moment. Support our queer establishments right now because they need it. Thank you, Jackie Cox. Yes, of course we can talk about that. I feel like it's so important for us to be spreading the message of love and inclusivity and supporting our community because, you know, I mean, all we are striving for as a collective is love and acceptance and equality. And in order to get that from the heteronormative mainstream on the outside, we have to first start from the individual level from within and support and uplift each other. So I hope that's a message that can be spread far and wide to the listeners and the fandom out there. But let's get into this episode, shall we? Yes, I'm so excited. Me too. So we start off with the queens entering the workroom after Tainomi Banks' unfortunate elimination. There are eight queens left. Tainomi's mirror message says, Sisters for life. Love you, Tainomi. Alona is in tears immediately. And Rita Baga says that Tainomi is one of the strongest queens in Canada. And it's sad she's gone, but she came here to win. Uh, I can start to feel that all of the queens are starting to feel the competition. Even Priyanka says that she was voted the best local drag queen in Toronto and feels now that Tainomi has been sent home that she's the top contender. So these queens are really, you know, really starting to play the game to win at this point, it feels like. You know, the psychology of drag race, someone should write a book. It'll probably be me. At some point, I'll, I'll write one. But it's just, you know, at this point in the competition, you can you really start to... Um, your mind starts to wander to these places, some of which are healthy and will help you push you to that finish line, and some of which will start being little demons. And I hear mm. things like Alona saying that she wish she would have walked off the stage, mm-hmm. Priyanka feeling like that's an attack on the competition, you know, all of mm-hmm. these kind of negative feelings. My only advice to anyone in this position is all you can do in this moment is just really try to focus in on whatever positivity you can find, because it is a gauntlet. You are pushed creatively in a different direction every week, every challenge, mm-hmm. um, and it can definitely get to you. So I feel these girls' pain, um, and I and I, I get that pressure. It's real. It is a drag race, honey. It is real. The pressure is real. The tensions are high, and we are all starting to feel it. Rue pops up on the big screen with her Rue mail. She done already done had hers. Is looking gorgeous and stunning and perfect and flawless as ever, as always, giving us some Celine-isms. It's all coming back to me now, near, far, wherever you are. So it sounds like it's a Celine challenge to me. Brooklyn Heights enters the workroom wearing a shady pair of sunglasses. She calls in the pit crew, who also have a tray of sunglasses for the queens to read, because reading is what? Fundamental! Yes, honey. So la bibliothèque is open. What do we think of these reads, Jackie? Okay, there were some really, really good ones. I will say, um, one of my favorites was Jimbo, because uh, in addition to having a great read where he calls Lemon a crusty little bottom... Ooh, girl. <laughs> he then followed it up with, you know, a few nice things and then slapped himself for being so Canadian. That's the yeah. kind of humor I'm looking for, which I lived for. But there were, you know, uh, Lemon, of course, did so well. Uh, I will say, you know, just, you know, because Priyanka has talked a few times about that she's a little boy crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I love that uh, Lemon reminding her that the only thing she's fucking is fucking stupid. <laughs> Such a shady little queen, isn't she? That 
that cute little smile it's really quite deceiving isn't it she is a shady crusty little bottom <laughs> you know what she she did her thing because lemon is the winner of this week's mini challenge uh i personally loved rita bega's read uh um, that she is here to win so that a Canadian queen can finally win Drag Race. That was... The shade! Right, the shade! Right, the shade! Right in front of Brooklyn's face. I take that as personal shade as well as I also didn't win. <laughs> you know what? It's fine, Rita. It's fine. It's fine. What are you going to do? Well, Brooklyn introduces this week's maxi challenge, which is the one, the only, a snatch game. <sighs> Jeffrey, you of course know that I have many feelings about the snatch game, but the biggest one is excitement. This is this is the challenge of Drag Race. This is the marquee challenge. This is the challenge that everyone has the most time to prepare for, as I am yes. famous for saying. Yes. So I'm, I'm expecting a lot here. Girl, me too. And I think that you are so, like, so perfect to be recapping this episode with me because you gave one of my most memorable Snatch Game performances because you played one of my favorite people and my dear friend, Lisa Rinna. Oh my God. I love this woman so much. And you did her justice, girl. You did her justice. Well, and I got her stamp of approval, which is the most important thing. Uh, yeah. So, so you know what? I love Gigi, but in my mind, I won the Snatch Game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Panchanella fantasy. I love it. Well, Priyanka says that improv challenges are her jam because she worked in children's television for years, which was good prep for this moment. I enter the workroom and have a little walkthrough with each of the queens where I discover who it is that they're going to be playing in the Snatch Game. I loved chatting with the queens and getting to uh, to connect with them on this level as well and just kind of see what they were thinking. I'm always curious to know, just sitting at home watching the show, I'm always curious to know how many options the queens are bringing for the snatch game, because like you said, this is the one that you you ha you know it's going to come. You know that you have to bring it, and you know that you have months, if not years, uh, prior to stepping into the workroom to prepare for it. So you better bring it hard, honey. Who were your other options aside from Lisa Rinna? So one of my other options was Julie Andrews, which I talked about with Vanjie, and Vanjie kept getting it confused with Julia Roberts, which Amazing. I love Vanjie. Uh, yeah. And then the other one was. Um, we, we know that uh, Catherine Hepburn was on Snatch Game my season, but she was also one of my options for Snatch Game. Um, I would have done more of a young uh, Catherine Hepburn when she's going golfing, you know, more of the young Catherine, very clipped English. Is more, yes. was, it was more my version of Catherine versus the one yes. that ended up on the show. But uh, I'll say this about Snatch Game, and I appreciated this in your walkthrough, which is that you told, um, I believe it was you told you told, you told the queens to listen to themselves. You know, you told mm. Boa, I think, specifically to listen to mm -hmm. herself and what she mm -hmm. was trying to bring. And I think that's kind of, you have to use every moment you have with the judges and in a walkthrough to use them as your mirror, to bounce off ideas, see mm -hmm. how they land, and then at the same time, you know, let that reflect back onto you and then make the choices. You can't let the critiques or the thoughts or the ideas that you or any of the judges bring to the queens you can't let them get in your head. You just got to like, all right, this is a valid point of view. Let me take this into account and then own whatever it is you do end up decide to do and just do it 100%. Absolutely. That's the biggest moment in these walkthroughs that I wish I wish someone uh, could, could shake each of the girls and say like, 
just because Jeffrey or whoever is giving you a critique in this walkthrough, use that as an opportunity because the, the, the game hasn't happened yet, right? This right, is this absolutely. is just a chance to feel out, feel some ideas, workshop it, workshop it, honey. I'm always workshopping. That's exactly what it is, and that's why it was such a such a fun experience getting to hear, you know, from Bobo to hear her Fran Drescher and her Liza, and hearing from Boa, hearing her three different options. I think she did give me some Gypsy Rose Blanchard in that moment as well, and I and uh, she really really delivered in that moment in the workroom with me she went hard with a gypsy rose blanchard so i'm glad that she inevitably went that direction with her character choice but i digress we'll get that into that in a minute um kiara is playing the one and only mariah carey alona goes for the cock destroyer rebecca moore jimbo as joan rivers priyanka as miss cleo Scarlet Bobo inevitably went for Liza Minnelli, which I thought was a fantastic choice. Even though Liza's been done several, many times before on the show, she brought something new and fresh to it that I was obsessed with. Uh, Rita Bega plays my favorite uh, French singer, uh, Edith Piaf. Boa as Gypsy Rose Blanchard. And Lemon as Jojo Siwa. So we're going to get into this We'll, we'll get into this. I feel like I'm going all over the place, but I just like, I, I, I'm just obsessed with so many moments from so many of these queens' performances. Their choices they made in the Snatch Game were, were just so brilliant on so many levels. But first up, I let the queens know that the category on the main stage this week is A Night of a Thousand Celines. Oh my goodness, we are going to do Celine! Oh yes! my God. <laughs> Okay, obviously this is such a strong Canadian choice. Celine Dion is an icon for everyone. I don't care if you're gay, straight, any gender. It doesn't matter. Everyone needs to bow down to the queen and the most ridiculous in the best possible way human that is Celine. So what a perfect Canadian runway choice. I agree. And I love that the, that over the years, it seems like she's become more and more irreverent. Like she just doesn't give a fuck. And she's just is so, she is that that crazy Quebecois, like French Canadian aunt. You know, she's amazing. Um, so I also let the Queens know that our extra special guest host this week is Mary Walsh. Were you familiar with Mary Walsh from This Hour Has 22 Minutes? I was not familiar with Mary Walsh, but I will say I really appreciated her as a judge, not only because she was serving me some fierce look on the runway, but yes. also I loved I loved her critiques. When we get to the when we get to the critiques, I loved that what some of her critiques I thought were really helpful. Me too. It was so so helpful having a comedian on the on the main stage with us this week. So, on the Snatch Game red carpet, we're met by Canada's favorite squirrel friend, Tracy Melshore, who has a little kiki with the queens in character to stepping on set of the Snatch Game itself, where we meet Brooklyn Heights, who is living proof that if you bomb this show, they make you come back and host it. I loved that. (laughs) (laughs) We're also joined by our celebrity guests, the Scottish interior design duo, Colin and Justin. Um, So we get straight into it. I want to know what were your standout moments? What were your favorite lines? What were, who were the queens that just made you cackle during the snatch game? Okay, I, I'm. I, I will say overall, it was such a great snatch game because I loved mm-hmm. that the queens were interacting with each, with each other. I also felt as the snatch game went on that the queens started getting more and more warmed up overall into their characters, which mm-hmm. I think really helped some of the vibes. Um, I have to shout out Lemon as as JoJo Siwa. The, the, the phonetic spelling of hell is iconic. Yes. You know, Jojo yes. is such a ridiculous human being. And I thought Lemon even took that to the next place of absurdity, right? That's the thing. One of the key to Snatch Games is how do you take someone 
who may or may not be ridiculous, but then you have to add on that level of absurdity to make it, Mm. this is so ridiculous, right? So I think that's something that Lemon succeeded so, so well at. Agreed. I will say Rita Rita Baga as as this zombie back from the dead, (laughs) Edith Piaf, was so beautifully strange and hilarious. And that was so much fun to watch from beginning to end. Um, Jimbo, oh my God. The vocal mm-hmm. from the beginning to end was so good. I love that we learned about um, uh, about about the secret love affair with Judy Garland. Oh my goodness. I think that may have been my favorite line in this Snatch Game. You miss your mother, smell my goddamn fingers. Amazing. Right, and what I love too is that she kind of went for like Joan in her comedy acts, who Joan was so edgy in her stand-up comedy act and i could totally yes. imagine joan saying those kinds of things you know she she performed at the laura beachman theater where i was lucky enough to do a lot of my shows and so just wow. just hearing her and the things that would come out of her mouth in a very mm. small little place in new york city and she would still perform there even after she was a huge star because she just wanted to keep her craft on its edge she wanted to keep mm. that craft so fine-tuned and so she was constantly in those small venues pushing the envelope with these really raunchy jokes that Mm. she would never say on you know e or any of the other channels she worked on and so i love Mm. that jimbo took us to that place with joan because that was so fun as opposed to just kind of the usual critique of fashion or something that maybe joan is more famously known for we got what i think is the real joan which I loved, and I miss her, I and I'm agree. so glad Jimbo brought her back for us. Mm, me too. What else? What did you think about Scarlet Bobo's Liza Minnelli? You know, like you said, Liza is definitely someone who's been done before. You know, of course, my my, my good sis Alexis Michelle, to great success, mm-hmm. did uh, did Liza Minnelli. Um, what I loved about Scarlet Bobo's Liza was the kind of the over-itness uh, of Liza, because that's the thing where you have to kind of make a choice in Snatch Game, is what is your character? How are they feeling about being on this game show with these other celebrities, what's that choice? Stick with that choice and then go with it. You know, Liza being this kind of angry, you know, intoxicated woman being very angry that she was stuck at this snatch game between Jojo Siwa and Joan Rivers, I thought was really a a great choice. And I think that's what's so important in snatch game is you have to make a strong choice about how your character is feeling in this moment and then deliver on that as the game keeps going so that, you're kind of there. There's a reason for you to be there. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, touching on what you said, one of the uh, pieces of advice that I gave to Boa earlier on in the day to listen to yourself. It's so important to also listen to everything that's going on around you so that you can bounce off it and play off it. And I thought that I thought that Bobo was really great at that. I thought that Lemon was fantastic at that. And Jimbo was like perfection when it came to that. So good. Uh, one of one of the, my favorite things that, that Jimbo said was, you know, if, if we're going to talk about some of the our not favorite performances, you know, when mm-hmm. w- when Boa gets lobbed that softball of how did you kill your mother? Right. This mm-hmm. is like the basic question that you should kind of know what your famous person is most famous for. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she kind of stuttered and stammered and Jimbo was like, well, I will take this right now and say uh, she obviously ate her. Look at her. You know, I think right. <laughs> you have to you have to be so quick in snatch game and if you don't someone hungrier will come and push you down those stairs you know they will come and snatch that joke away from you honey they sure will they sure will yeah what did you think of kiara i'll just preface that with saying that i did as as confident as she was in the workroom 
and she really was very, very confident in her Mariah. I am always wary of queens doing pop icons because they're so hard to make fun of, truly. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, whether it's Lady Gaga or Beyonce or Mariah. It's it's a tough, uh, it's a tough essence to capture and to make funny in the moment. You know, Mariah is an interesting choice because if we think of her as a pop star, you know, her pop records and her pop history are, you know, somewhat untouchable and not really funny, right? She's an amazing Mm -hmm. vocalist. She's been, Mm -hmm. you know, in our ears for now decades, right? And and as a vocalist, same way like Selena's too, like you can't really touch the vocal. But what I would go with, with Mariah, if you think back to like, you know, her 90s MTV Cribs moment, or maybe that was early 2000s. And, you know, Mariah is kind of the queen of this grandeur self-delusion. And I would have gone that route with Mariah, really playing up that like, I'm so rich, look at my amazing bathtub. And here I am with a million bubbles. And yes, my twins are off somewhere with their nanny because I'm so rich and I painted my walls this custom shade of pink. You know, she's so ridiculous. Like, and I would have played up that a little bit more. It's still a hard choice, but you can you have to kind of find the ridiculousness in the persona or the personality and play that because it's not funny to be a, a queen who's who's famous for singing a Christmas song. There's nothing inherently right. funny with that, right? right. Um, so you know, of course, uh, I think we we all know that Kiara felt a little short, but uh, she looked beautiful, and um, it's definitely tough if it's a queen that you love to lip sync as, you know, maybe totally. in your act to then bring that to the snatch game, which are two totally different skills. Right. It wasn't that it, the performance was bad. It just wasn't very funny. Yep. Right. Right. Um, and then, and then we get to Priyanka as Miss Cleo. So I have to ask you, I'm sure you're familiar with Miss Cleo, but is she, is she just a Canadian television psychic icon or is she international? Oh no, Miss Cleo has been on the TV all over. She, <laughs> she is Miss Cleo. I remember her as a kid. Um, she, you know, Miss Cleo too. was on, on my TV. The thing about Miss Cleo, which I would have played up, and I don't know if this is how accurate this information is, but I think like she lost her entire empire through like a lawsuit or something yes. because she, you know, she was famous for these like 900, you know, one 900 number mm-hmm. uh, psychic readings and, you know, basically scamming people out of their money. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that there's so much to play with Miss Cleo. In addition to the mm-hmm. accent, there's the, there's just the fact that she's a total scam artist, that she's not a good psychic, you know? And I mm-hmm. think, it's funny having just seen Alexis Mateo's Walter Mercado, how, mm-hmm. you know, Alexis is also not a psychic, but just to play mm-hmm. up the ridiculousness of a psychic who is this famous um, and being a bad psychic or just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, playing off of whatever it is that you hear in the room being like, yes, I knew this. You know, there was opportunities for that that I was missing from Priyanka. Definitely. And it's it's in similar vein to what you're talking uh, to um Fifi O'Hara when she played uh, with the Long Island Medium yeah. back in her Snatch Game. It's just, there's those, those easy moments just to literally, I mean, it's, it's what uh, Mary Walsh touches on later on the main stage is that if you in the moment are having a struggle or having a hard time coming up with something funny yourself, just repeat the lines of whatever the, the, ne- the, the funniest motherfucker next to you said, you know, that is the flow of comedy. Just the yes and yes and keeping it going. It's it's tough. Snatch Game is one of those challenges where it, it, it operates on a few different levels. One mm-hmm. is, you know, the baseline. You know, this is just kind of, I won't even say that this is that important anymore based on some really successful Snatch Games we've seen, is the celebrity mm-hmm. impersonation. That's kind of like the baseline. Can you kind of be the celebrity? 
Then the next step is, okay, what are the jokes? What comedy are you bringing? And then the third part, which is, this is the part where I see so many queens struggle is how do I live in this moment? How do I interact with the judges and with my fellow celebrities? And how do I keep this momentum going of this being a real living, breathing celebrity doing ridiculous and saying ridiculous things? It's a hard game to play. Definitely. I think that Alona Verley did a great job as Rebecca Moore, one of the cock destroyers, doing exactly what you're saying. I had no idea who this woman was. I mean, of course, I've seen little clips and bits of the cock destroyers. But personally, I had no idea if this woman was going to be just, you know, hilarious and vulgar. If she was like, I had no idea what type of human being she was. And I feel like Alona showed us exactly who she is. Yeah. And I think Alona was really operating on that first level. The impression was there. And then, you know, maybe some of the jokes weren't there at the beginning. I noticed she was a little slow. But then on the the third mm -hmm. level, which is the most important, is she was being an improv artist, right? Yes. Interacting with everyone. And I could see her getting warmed up and having fun. And that's mm -hmm. what we as the audience love to see. So I was very happy with how Alona warmed up into, the, into her Snatch game and really delivered it for us. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's a new day in the workroom. The first Queen's ever to do snatch game on canada's drag race enter the workroom and priyanka is in her feeling she's feeling like she made herstory with the worst canadian snatch game ever and i just love that alona was the first person to step up and tell pre to stop playing the victim amazing that's a callback that's a callback if i've ever seen one ladies and gentlemen it is and you know like i said like i said at the beginning you know the girls were stressed coming out of last week and now they're very stressed in the middle of this week it is a stressful mm. time and you know you got to be careful with, with, with how you're feeling and what you're saying because the girls mm -hmm. will throw it right back at you. So Alona wasn't wrong in calling Priyanka out for, you know, if Alona's not allowed to be a Debbie Downer, then neither is Priyanka. So you know what? It's, it's a tough game, though. So I can see why they're all getting a little, getting a little stressed. For sure, yeah. Um, then we step into a moment that is always my favorite moment watching these episodes is when we get to dive into the personal lives of in the personal stories of the queens while y'all are getting into drag getting ready for the main stage because i don't get to see any of this brooklyn stacy and i don't get any glimpse into what happens in the workroom aside from when we are there in person interacting with the queens so um hearing lemon and jimbo talk about how they feel about the snatch game and hearing jimbo disclose that that she felt very bullied and outcast as a kid and was always very much the other. But in 10th grade, she made a joke while on the bus and made everyone laugh and realized that humor was her way in to disarm people, which is something that I feel like it's a tactic that many queer people use time and time again to always have to be in a position to disarm everyone around us. Yeah, that, I mean, I really felt that, you know, I personally, you know, I grew up moving around all the time. I was almost always the new kid in school. I was uh, what I call like a medical research brat. So my mom moved around to different cities where she would get grants through different medical research. And I was always the new kid in school, obviously mm -hmm. a very queer kid uh, as well. And, you know, finding that ability to make people laugh, to, to bring a smile to someone's face is something that I learned, uh, you know, as a form of protection, you know, you learn, mm -hmm. you learn that, this is something that I can be, maybe I can be this, you know, somewhat effeminate queer kid, but if I make people laugh with me and not at me, that gives me a little protection. And though I've now learned that I'm more than that, it's definitely something that I always remember. I always remember that kid who was maybe scared that he looked a little different or sounded a little different or walked a little mm -hmm. different and 
how to bring, you know, how to make people okay with that. And one of those ways is humor. And I, I think that Jimbo, um, is so, um, so talented in so many ways, but I, what I love the most about Jimbo is that you can really see the joy he feels when he performs. And Mm. I felt that so much in his snatch game and it really made me remember why I love drag. You know, I love to make people laugh too. I love to play with other drag Queens either on the snatch game or on stage. And it's something that brings me joy and I know brings the audience joy. And so you know, that as an important why of why we do drag, you know, drag is not easy. Mm. Drag is not something that you can just roll out of bed and do. It's something that takes years and time and dedication. You know, like I said, at the beginning, I've been doing this since 2010. And just now, 10 years later, I'm starting to have some sort of larger success. And so it's something we do because we love it. And so hearing this story Mm -hmm. from Jimbo, why making people laugh is so important for him definitely resonated with me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it unquestionably takes a, a extraordinary level of tenacity and resilience to not only go out in the world presenting yourself in this way that is not necessarily readily accepted by the mainstream, um, but also by the people who are closest to us, who we know and love the most. And Kiara talks about her experience that her stepfather knows that she does drag, but her biological dad doesn't know yet. And she feels the pressure of being what our parents want us to be as opposed to tapping into our own authenticity and presenting that truest version of ourself to the world. And I know based on the the beautiful stories and your own life experience that you shared on your season of Drag Race that you can relate to this. I, I definitely can. So many, so many people have reached out to me saying thank you for sharing my story with my mom. And I know they will do the same with Kiara because, you know, it is really hard to share these really personal stories and, you know, what feel like in the moment, they feel like personal failings. It feels mm. like, why haven't I, why wasn't I able to share this with my mom up until this moment? You know, it feels like something that's such a big struggle and a failing, but I know that just sharing it now, whenever a lot of, I get a lot of questions from kids asking me, like, should I come out? How can I come out? Can you help me come out to my family? And I think the most important thing is that it's never a race. It's your own story to tell. It is your own, your own moment, your own feeling of safety is so important. And so I encourage anyone who is struggling with whether or not to come out to a parent, um, a family member, a loved one, you know, there's, there's no race. Be your true, mm-hmm. honest self. Take your time, do it in the safest way you can. Make sure you have those people in your corner to back you up. And it feels to me like Kiara has those people. You know, she has her mm-hmm. stepfather, she has people in her life who are there. And so I want that, you know, for anyone who is watching this show, who hears these stories of, of us coming out or us not coming out, that it's mm-hmm. a personal journey. And I'm so happy that we get to share these things with the world. Mm. Me too. Drag race bringing families together. You know, <laughs> I will say, I, I, I am, I am. In hindsight, you know, if if my mom knew how pretty, just how pretty I was, maybe she would have gotten on board a lot earlier. But that is something <laughs> she said to me. She said, "Oh my God, I should have had a daughter. You're so pretty." <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Well, she gets the best of both worlds, right? That's right. That's right. So she did say, maybe next time you don't have to share so much about your personal life. I mean, but that makes good TV, right? That's how people fall in love with you. That's why people are so in love with you. But yes, I get it. All right. Well, coming out to our friends and family may not be a race, but this show certainly is one. So let's get back to it, shall we? We have Mary Walsh 
on the main stage serving feathers and East Coast lesbian realness. I live for this look. Honey, she looks like she is she is somewhere off the coast of Newfoundland having the most fabulous party on like a giant boat. That's what I imagine. It's like it's like a nighttime boat with like raver lights and she is just there with all of her amazing lesbian friends and all of the gays are watching from a different boat wishing they were on that boat. That's my interpretation of this look. I'm right there with you. Well, do you have the queen's looks in front of you right now? I have them. Let's 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 dive in. Let's do it. So first up on the main stage, serving her Celine Dion realness, is bitch on arrival, Boa, in this fringe and feather fantasy. What do we think? Okay, so there's a couple things going on with this outfit. The first one, which I think all the judges called out, was that we lose any and all of Boa's shape, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for someone who's actually done a really great job of showcasing uh, her beautiful body in a beautiful way on the runway, I can see why it got lost for the judges. Mm -hmm. The other things I'm noticing is there's a lot of kind of detail, a little bit of an ombre effect with some of the gold paint. And I yes. think what's one of the hardest things about Drag Race, which you don't know until you get there, is those runway lights are colorful and bright and bold. Yes. And there's some details that they pick up and other details which magically disappear. And mm -hmm. this is one of those where even though in this photo I'm seeing the ombre detail of the gold on her shoulders and coming out mm -hmm. so it's more gold by her wrists, we lost that on camera, right? Um, similarly, I think about this headpiece, and this is one of those things where I can guarantee you when it was first created and constructed and before she crumpled it into a suitcase, it right, probably right, looked right. very majestic. But this is one of those right. things where now it's been in a suitcase for a few weeks and now we pulled it out for this lean runway. And it's a little wilted, right? Oh, yeah. But I do love Boa's energy on the runway and I just love what she stands for and how body positive she is and she has been in this competition. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. And something that is something, an area that she never disappoints is when it comes to beating that face. This makeup is stunning. Gorgeous. She can paint for the gods. And yeah, I completely agree with the details that are lost. I mean, we could see it in person on the main stage right in front of us, but I think it didn't necessarily translate on camera as well. And you're right. Her body positivity is, I mean, you know, I think it's... Uh, I, I, I'm it's obviously it's like such a beautiful thing that she lives in such celebration of herself but I also kind of on the other side of things hate that when you don't have a body that fits into the norms and the standards of like Eurocentric beauty standards that all of a sudden you have to be put in a place where you're like you know an advocate or uh you know like a, a an ally to to yeah. larger bodies you know her body's fucking beautiful no, you know everybody is beautiful no matter what the shape no matter what the size no matter what the color uh but her body is so beautiful and I think that with a little bit less fringe on this look we would have been able to see the shape of it like you said but sure or or you know there, there's clever ways you can kind of you know uh i think one example is uh some of the caftan runways we've seen is to actually mm -hmm. still build a shape out within something that's so loose so you know opportunities opportunities you live and you learn overall love her energy and love love that face yeah me too agreed next up we have scarlet bobo what do we think of this look beautiful very iconic celine i mean yeah. this very soft face from scarlet which i love the beautiful yeah. satin um you know it definitely it definitely it was instantly celine to me um and also really kind of played up this you know i think celine this is like one of those characters that Celine plays is this kind of like ethereal goddess, which I think mm -hmm. in, in my mind, she thinks of as a character as well, you know, because 
I think Selena's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a goddess, you know, and I feel like that's what Scarlett is giving. Scarlett is giving Celine's French vanilla fantasy here. Definitely, yeah. I think she's she. It's it's such it's such a treat getting to see Scarlett in something that's really quite understated. Yeah, um, that is really quite simple but not basic. I think that we get to see this this like more soft, this softer, mm. more feminine, like you said, ethereal side of Scarlett Bobo because she she you know she tends to serve us a little bit more like hardcore punk rocker kind of girl. Um, totally, and this way it's just so beautiful to see that change and that softness. I loved it. Yeah, I agree. I love it too. Next up, we have uh, Kiara. What do we think of this of this black sequin look? The look itself is beautiful. I think you mm. know Kiara is someone who um, can really pull off beautiful women's wear, and it feels beautiful, and it feels um, elevated, and it feels. Uh, I guess the word I would say is supermodel. Mm-hmm. My only critique with Kiara is that it doesn't always feel drag to me, mm-hmm. but it does feel beautiful. So I think if we're if we're judging on the sense of is this beautiful as a Celine? Yes. Is this mm-hmm. drag? Maybe not. And but it's still beautiful. And I think she looks gorgeous. And that makeup was beautiful. I love the way that she arched those brows. I thought she looked stunning. Agreed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. Um, and uh, I think it was Brooklyn who made the critique on the main stage that it's really hard to pull off a wig when you pull it back into a ponytail like this and to make Ooh. it look chic and natural. Yeah, it reminds me of a. Uh, 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 the the issue that Juicebox had in the first episode of the show that when you pull when you pull a wig back into a ponytail like that it's just not necessarily as flattering as as you may like it to be. Yeah, ponytails are hard. I mean, I certainly don't have a face to pull it off. You know, I, I got this big old square <laughs> man face. Uh, you know, so you, you, you'll never see me in just a pony. We'll always have at least a sensible soft uh, curl. You know, uh, yeah. breaking, breaking that hairline a little. Uh, so yes. you know, good for Kiara for feeling like she could do it. Um, and it's bold. A ponytail is a bold choice mm-hmm. next up we have also rocking a black sequin fantasy look uh, our, our second french canadian queen rita baga what do we think of this celine look <laughs> i'm gonna agree with brooklyn that the first white kind of pantsuit look uh was not it but I, I i think this look was fun but i think the most important part of this runway presentation was the that kooky Celine attitude, right? This is what I was kind of hoping for because I think, you know, while Celine has that ethereal goddess character that I think a lot of the queens brought through in in their runways, she also is a total cuckoo person sometimes. And I could really Mm -hmm. see that coming through from from Rita's uh, presentation of this look, that kind of fun energy, you know, with the body language and the shoulders and the kind of funny walks, you know, that I love Mm. that she was bringing that energy to this runway. Mm. Definitely. I feel the same. I just love so much that Rita has this interesting blend of like very fierce, strong, statuesque mother on stage. And then she can bring out the campy quirkiness. It's it's one of my favorite combinations. I was so, so pleased that she did this reveal and gave us this black look as opposed to the first uh, white ensemble that she walked out with. I think my, one of my only issues was that the the wig was a, I think the the look overall was a little bit too reminiscent of the Edith Piaf look. I was I was mm. hoping for something for something much much uh, much more different than than what she gave us on the snatch game main stage. But yeah, I can see that. I mean, the wig uh, the wig I think could have been a little a little smoother. A little I, I don't know I don't don't know if Celine's hair was ever this kind of frizzy. 
Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, I definitely got the period from it, right? So if we're trying to evoke this kind of 80s Celine, which I don't think we usually, we think of Celine as really a 90s star, but to bring mm-hmm. us back to an 80s Celine, I got that very quickly from both the look and the hair. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then moving into present day Celine, this like fashion goddess that she has evolved into and Jimbo is embodying every fucking ounce of it. What you can't even look at me right now. What do you think of this look, Jackie Cox? What do you think? When Jimbo turned the corner, I was gagged. I was so gagged because we haven't seen a presentation like this from Jimbo yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see something that was so chic, so powerful, you know, Jimbo's brought in us different things every week, which is what's so exciting about Jimbo. But to see mm-hmm. this side of Jimbo was honestly took my breath away. Um, and then to see it up against Celine's real look and to see how Jimbo took that inspiration and really elevated it to that drag place. You know, talking yes. about Hedwig, I see John Cameron Mitchell in Jimbo. I see yes. that kind of um, that energy that John brought to the Hedwig character and Jimbo also brings to Jimbo's drag, which is there's, you know, a masculine and a feminine and a strong and a soft and um, a, a beautiful and a harsh, right? And I think all of that can happen in this one look. Um, and at the same time, it's also Celine, right? So he's kind of, there's a lot, there's a lot of levels here to this presentation. And I just, I loved it. I loved it. I am head over heels in love with this look. I do not have one negative thing to say about it. I think it's perfection personified. I even love that. I mean, yes, we have not seen anything like this on Jimbo yet. Um, it's so fashion. I love that we can see a different paint on that face, and I love that she yes. uh, she blended much more so than than last week's runway. When I when my critique was that she didn't bring the makeup all the way down. This is just such a seamless, beautiful just stunning look and i think you're absolutely right it's like a perfect blend of feminine and masculine and fashion and camp and oh it's great it's it's the jimbo that i've been dying to see oh and 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 jimbo brought it and and yeah wow that's she brought it she brought it wow that's all we can say wow she brought it wow (laughs) next up we have lemon giving us the heart of the ocean titanic celine what do you think I'm going to have to agree with you guys on this one. You know, the judges overall called out that this was a little bit simple. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what's tough about a challenge like this, right? It's how do you take uh, Celine, who has some very exaggerated, almost draggy looks already. um, Mm -hmm. And if you choose a simpler look, I I think this is an opportunity to drag it up. Um, And I, you know, I would have loved, there are so many amazing blue stretch fabrics that, lemon could have chose from that maybe weren't Mm -hmm. this exact simple uh stretch poly stretch jersey that you know still it it drapes beautifully but it isn't uh the most exciting fabric to look at um Mm -hmm. you know i think uh brooklyn's critiques about the you know the proportions and the body i think it's it's tough because you know uh as drag queens we're we're working on a lot right there's there's an element of female illusion there's an element of body empowerment and then there is something to be said about this new this new understanding of femininity and body and masculinity that kind of throws all of those rules away so you're always kind of operating within kind of an old rule book and a new rule book and at the same time still trying to make a fierce presentation so i can see where lemon was struggling a little with this look but i think mm-hmm. it still reads celine um, and it's still a lovely dress. It's just not probably the most exciting dress or the most drag dress. 
that's that I you took the words right out of my mouth and this is the this is the thing that I've been uh kind of struggling with with Lemon over the past couple of weeks is that she she is drag and she is exciting and she brings that to her acting challenges she brings it to the reading challenge as we all saw we she brings it to her talking head interviews and then we get to her main stage looks and they all seem a little bit understated um and i just want to the look can be understated but my my i just really want to see her bring that same oh that same je ne sais quoi to that like that that lemon effervescent uh, just delicious energy that she brings to every other challenge to translate that into her main stage performances as well. Right. And you know, the thing is it's drag, right? If you're going to go with Celine Dion at the heart of the ocean, like maybe do Celine Dion, like half sunken, you know, in the iceberg, yes. give me like a, give yes. me like a frozen makeup. You know what I mean? There's ways to do a, a drag interpretation of this moment that could be totally. uh, just a little bit um, more drag. Agreed. Well, next up we have, Someone who definitely took the original Celine look and dragged it up, Alona Verley, in this look. My only real issue with this look is that it's it's probably the furthest away from that any queen chose to do from the actual original Celine look. It's reminiscent of it, but I wouldn't know that this was a Celine look if she just if she walked out and I didn't have the reference photo right in front of me. I think that the choice to go from red heart to pink heart just made it something else entirely. Yeah, it's 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 this is one of those things where, you know, you have to kind of make a decision when you're, you know, you're preparing for this show and you're like, I'm going to do a Celine look. How much do I bring myself into this? How much is this going to mm-hmm. be an homage to Celine? And it's a tough line to balance. I think this look by itself is gorgeous. Her makeup is so beautiful i mean alona's face is just stunning in this look and then yeah i don't i would never have in a million years a guest celine from this look there's no celine energy um i I can't imagine celine in this kind of hot pink is not a color i associate with celine i'm sure there's Mm -mm. someone will dig up somewhere on on something where she wore hot pink but this definitely doesn't feel celine um to me but alona looks beautiful um and uh god that face is just really stunning it's beautiful. I agree. And she, you're right. It's, I mean, I mean, I guess I was the one who said it the first. It's, it's not, it's not the most Celine look to me. However, it is very Alona Verley. I will give her that. And the hot pinkness is so, and you know, the pastel hair, it's very, very much in her. It's, it, it is her drag. Yeah. It is her drag. So she, so she represented that well. She didn't fail the challenge. It was just no. a very different interpretation than what the other queens chose to bring with their Celine interpretations. But Stunning nonetheless. Of course. Uh, last but not least, we have who? Say her name. Priyanka. <laughs> yes. In this double wedding fantasy reveal into the icon award look. What do we think? The reveal was flawless. It was a gorgeous reveal. I love that, you know, that the harem almost transformed with it as well, right? Because by removing this veil, you kind of then got the full fantasy of this beautiful lace front that fit her face so beautifully. Um, The makeup was really gorgeous. You know, this is also not a Celine I usually think of, which is, I I don't think of Celine on her wedding day. I don't know who does, but... Uh, I do. You I do. do. You, do, you, do, you, do you no, no but for real, do, 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 you, do you not remember? I remember this so clearly in my head. I think this is why it stands out to me. Because I remember as a kid, when Celine got married to... Oh, gosh, what was her name? Renee, thank you, thank you. That that her crown was so massive and so heavy that they had to sew a part of it into her actual scalp. 
Oh I don't know God. if that was I don't know if that was a real I don't know if that was just a tabloid story but I remember that story so clearly in my head from uh from when I was a kid that 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 is an iconic Celine look to me wait but, can however we, can we talk about a young Jeffrey Boyer Chapman watching <laughs> I don't know what you were watching some scandal gossip show and learning about Celine sewing her veil into her head that is the gayest thing I've ever heard and I'm so happy I heard it thanks honey it was like the only it was like the closest thing I had to drag living in like small <laughs> small farm town alberta where i had three channels and one of, i'm sure one of them was entirely dedicated to celine dion at all times uh, honey so, she you was know. your drag queen <laughs> she sure she was my drag mother honey she was my drag mother but so anyway i i cut you off yeah it's, may, most people may not think of the wedding look i most do, people who however. aren't as um uh, in tune with Selena as jeffrey may not think of this look <laughs> But then the reveal was so iconically Celine to me, yeah. like that that look, the way that hair just laid on her head, right? Because Celine is, mm-hmm. you know, she has that kind of honey blonde. It's not that it's not that bright blonde that Alona was giving us. It's that kind mm-hmm. of warm honey blonde, and the way it kind of went with the gold in the dress, and then Priyanka's own beautiful skin tone. It was just so like a lovely presentation that also read at the same time Priyanka, but then also Celine, right? That's the challenge of this runway is give me something that will make me remember you, the queen, but then also make me mm. instantly think of Celine. And I think Priyanka really nailed it on this runway. I completely agree. And this look to me is the look of a winner. Truly. It's a, it's, it's, it is one of my top looks on the main stage this week. I really do. What are you thinking? What are you thinking with this look you're giving me right no, now? No, no. I was just like, <laughs> top, top looks, top looks. This is, this is, I will say Jimbo, Jimbo would have been my top look. Oh, Jimbo is my top look without question. And, and 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 mixed with and mixed with that that snatch game performance, I mean, it was undeniable who the winner of this week's challenge was. All I'm saying is that as the episode progresses, y'all see what I'm talking about. If it weren't for that snatch game performance, this she could have definitely been in the top for me. Um, so we head back to the workroom where we meet up with two of our safe queens, Scarlet Bobo and Alona Verley, who are having a little nap back there. Did you ever have this moment? Did you ever get to take a little nap back in the workroom? Girl, I will say this. Aiden Zane is a trendsetter. <laughs> Sometimes it is First of all, there's two things. One, you are so tired. And two, it is so cold in that workroom as it apparently Mm -hmm. is in Canada as well, probably even colder. Mm -hmm. You are so cold and so tired. Like you just kind of entomb yourself wherever you can, whenever you can. Although I will say in my defense, I did it when the cameras weren't rolling. (laughs) I love that these queens were like, oh, we're supposed to be filming on Tuck now. Instead, we're going to be taking a nap. (laughs) Fuck it. I love it. I would have loved to see the moments leading up to that, like leading up to that decision to just like t- to tap out. You know, this is this this conversation is not that stimulating. Clearly, uh, <laughs> well, we head back to the main stage where I'm getting chills all over again, just in anticipation of saying it. It was such a joyous moment giving this maxi challenge win to Jimbo. I was so happy. I was so happy for Jimbo. I felt. It was such an amazing snatch game that really operated on all of the levels that I expect a snatch game to have, you know, and as I said from the beginning, this is the challenge you have the most time to prepare for. And it is a challenge that you, any queen who enters that workroom should be holding themselves to the highest standard. And Jimbo not only met that, but exceeded that in so many ways. Jimbo's brought back this loving portrayal of Joan that I missed, that I miss in my life. Uh, at the same time being so hilarious on its own. Even if you n- knew nothing about Joan, you would love this performance. And then that runway on top of it, I, I'm i getting goosebumps. I loved it so much. Mm, 
me too. It was just such, I mean, not only was she just so extraordinarily deserving and she worked so hard for it week after week after week, you could see her getting, inching her way closer and closer to that win. And this was, this was her moment. I was just so, I'm getting chills all over again. I'm just, I'm so, so proud of her. I love each and every single one of these queens, I really do. I think that they're so um, extraordinary uh, in their own individual rights. Uh, and seeing somebody who is so different, somebody like Jimbo, who is so different, who doesn't necessarily fit into any one certain box, who very much marches to the beat of her own drum, who is so in tune with her own individual authentic internal guidance system and really just follows that path no matter what it is that anyone says or does no matter uh, i've loved seeing jimbo take our critiques over the course of the past couple of weeks and incorporate them into her drag while still staying so true to her there's just i i just i don't have enough good things to say about this queen i I just love her so much she's incredible well deserved jimbo yeah well done honey baby sugar child well done uh that leads to our bottom two of the week, Kiara and Priyanka. Do you agree? What What are your thoughts, Jackie Cox? I think Kiara made a lot of sense. You know, there was there was there was no funny there. I thought Priyanka made a lot of sense because, especially for Priyanka, who we know is so funny, we know is such a good mm-hmm. actress. This was such a letdown from the snatch game. You know, mm-hmm. thank goodness they both look stunning on this runway. They are both serving me the the, the gorgeous honey blonde fantasy I'm looking for. Yes. Um, so I was very excited, though I was sad to see both of them in the bottom two. I was very excited to see this lip sync. It was electric. Lip syncing to I Drove All Night by our Canadian chantreuse herself, Miss Celine Dion. This was, this was one of my favorite lip syncs of the season. Honey, I would drive all night to go see this live performed <laughs> somewhere whenever that's safely possible honey i will wear a face mask and you know venmo and not give anyone any dollar bills because this was a performance honey these girls were serving it to us they were giving us all of those iconic celine moments in their performances but then also you know the gags and the splits and the and the dips and the drops and the you know it was it was all amazing you know i think uh, to, to see Priyanka actually work that wedding gown as like part of the number was so smart to see them both whipping their hair around. You know, I will say once you pull that ponytail down, you could not clock Kiara's look because that hair was laid and gorgeous, honey. Absolutely. And agreed. See them both working. It was such an exciting lip sync. One of the most exciting lip syncs we've had on this season so far. Um, definitely one for the books and two gorgeous Queens, one amazing song. Wow. I love. Let's look. You can you can have a lot of spinoffs off of that little little tagline right there. Two gorgeous queens, one amazing song, honey. So many places we can go from there, honey. I'm very I... available. I will do a spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are going to have to wait and see which queen gets the Shantae you stay, and which queen unfortunately sashays away. Jackie Cox, that's it for this portion of the pod. So thank you so much for being my extra special guest this week, Jackie Cox. You are spectacular. You are a Canadian treasure. You're an international treasure at this point. And we're, I just feel so blessed to be in the same drag race fam as you. Hopefully we can get you to pop up to Canada and make a, an extra special guest appearance in the flesh. I am very available. Uh, I will. She <laughs> she has a face mask and uh, hand sanitizer, and she will travel. 
Um, when it is safe to do so, I would love to do that. Jeffrey, thank you for having me. Um, thanks so much for, you know, guiding these queens on this journey. It's been such a pleasure to watch, you know, you and this show and my my country of birth really have its moments. I I hear so many people, you know, on, on the on the internets are so excited for this season. I'm just so happy that it's happening. And I'm so um excited to see what these queens are bringing every week. I can't wait. Thanks, Jackie. Can't wait to have you back soon, honey. Mwah. And for the rest of y'all, stay tuned, kitty girls. And I will be right back with this week's Eliminated Queen coming up next. Hello, my divas. It's your Essex girl, Cheryl Hole here. Now, you know I love my girl group. So I've started a brand new podcast called Girl Group Gossip. Each week, we discuss in depth our favorite girl groups from the Saturdays to Girls Aloud to the Pussycat Dolls and maybe even Desperate Housewives. You name it. We'll discuss it. Joining me on the podcast, I have got some extra special guests and extra special co-hosts. So tune in each week and let's have a gossip. Hey, squirrel friends, I'm back and I am here with our first French-Canadian queen to sashay away this season, the one and only Kiara. Hello. Hey, Kiara, how's your head? Uh, no complaints yet. <laughs> Girl, you can laugh that away if you'd like to, but you were the first and only queen to have actually gotten the right response this season. Really? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Blows my mind every time. It kind of goes everyone, over everyone's head, but thank you, for, thank you for latching onto that joke. I appreciate it. You're welcome. How are you, honey? I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually like kind of because well, do the people know that I didn't see the episode? Uh, well, we can tell them that you haven't seen the episode. It's fine. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't watch the episode yet, so like I'm really excited. So like, I'm actually really excited to see the episodes because like I, I I know it's like memorable. So yeah. like I, I maybe not for the right reasons, but I'm all I'm, I'm down for good TV, so that's good. <laughs> I, I don't think it's memorable for the wrong reasons. I think that you were spectacular in this episode, just as you have been throughout the entirety of the season. Truthfully, thank you, thank you know, you. yeah, you know, I mean, as you know, when it gets to this point in the game, when there's only a handful of queens left, it really does. It comes down to splitting hairs, right? Exactly. It's like you know what what could be considered a relative success on any other given day when it comes down to this point it's like if you don't absolutely soar then yeah. you, unfortunately you crash right but exactly. that's just that's that's just part of drag race honey so let's talk about your experience on the show how are you feeling about your drag race journey overall i'm really excited i'm really like happy with everything i'm happy with how like this how i showed myself on the show i'm happy with like i had like i think a memorable moment like at least like every episode so like mm -hmm. that, that that's cool like i'm really happy with because like you know when you come home like you're kind of scared you know like kind of scared that you, you didn't do as good as you thought you did or you know you never know like how the audience is going to perceive you and i feel like um the audience is really loving me and i didn't mm. really get like any hate at, or maybe like maybe a few comments but whatever but you know yeah. like it, it's really like positive and the outcome is really positive too so i'm really excited yeah oh i'm so happy to hear that honey you certainly had in every episode you certainly had memorable moments for me first and foremost um the it was episode two when i had the pleasure of directing you in the heritage yeah. moments challenge you 
gate i mean i don't even have words for the the level of like extraordinary improv skills that were presented to me in that moment you blew my mind that really i mean so the audience knows yep. that really was a one take wonder kind of thing you I had, was. yes you were spectacular what was uh, the shablam girl what was her name again uh oh my god what was her name what was her uh, mary shatwood Right, 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 right. Oh my God, that was that was when I knew that Kiara was a force to be reckoned with. Had, Thank so you, you. you. You do have some some uh, some background in improv. Yeah, I've done improv all my uh, high school years, and we have five years of high school here in Quebec. So I did that for five years, and then I did two years of um, theater when I was in Cégep. And um, yeah, my mom's a theater teacher as well. So like when I was like younger, uh. I I'd go to like rehearsals and stuff, and like I was always interested in improv and. Yeah, it's still a passion of mine. Amazing. So can I can I ask, because so often uh, comedy can be lost in translation. And when somebody is, you know, a very accomplished comedian in one part of the world speaking their native language, sometimes that's the, the essence of it is lost when being translated to English. Did you, you that was clearly not a, an issue for you. Did you, did you do improv in English in Quebec as well as French? Uh, no, I never did improv in English, but um, I've done, I did like an exchange. I feel like I, when I was 16 in Ottawa to learn mm. English and like we did like some improv or like theater in English mm -hmm. and it was fun. But um, yeah, I think it's, well, in English, it's a bit harder in, for improv and stuff because like, especially like in things for like in games like Snatch Game, I feel like it's, um, it's, it was are harder because I had to be funny on the spot, but also would be funny in the in the skin of somebody else. So yes. like that was like in, in English or you know, like impersonating somebody that is purely like Anglo. I feel like it's um it was a challenge. It was. Yeah. It it was a challenge. And I remember doing the workroom walkthrough with you, uh, which was it was it was such well, it was such a lovely moment getting to connect with you in that way. Yeah. Um but you were really, really confident when you when you presented <laughs> your you were when you presented your Mariah Carey to me, so I didn't question it at all. I mean, you didn't present me any other options. You just were, you know, like yeah. just steadfast and convinced that you had all of her nuances down, that you had the jokes. Like my point to you was just to make sure that it's funny because when we do these pop icons, it's so mm -hmm. it's some, it's sometimes it's just so hard to find the funny. You see it again and again when you see the queens attempting to do Beyonce or Lady yes. Gaga or whoever. Um, Mariah's Mariah's a tough one. I want to know. Because you didn't show me any other examples of who of who you might attempt that day in the workroom. Who what did you have any other options? What were your other choices? I had one other option, but I'd never really like practiced it or anything. It was um Perry Sultan. Oh, interesting. But when we did the walkthrough or just after, I feel like I I was thinking about doing Stacey McKenzie. <gasps> I know, I know. Kiara, my head is exploding right now. What? I Why know. didn't you do Stacey McKenzie? I don't know, and I can't do the voice and everything. Like I, I, I... walk one. Oh. Yeah, I know. Like it would have been, it would have been a moment. I know. <laughs> I, I am, I'm speechless right now. I, oh, hands on your hip. <laughs> oh, goddamn, that's good, Kiara. It would have been. 
what was what what was what what happened how come your intuition told you to do otherwise i don't know i just wanted to stick well because you know like i had the mariah i had the mariah look i had you know uh-huh. like like in shows and stuff but like i don't know i feel like i i i just went with what i knew i just went with what i what i thought i knew because apparently i don't know her but, uh-huh. <laughs> but um i don't know her <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway yeah i know because like she's like such like a big personality and like we get to know her in the workroom so like it would have been easier and like we 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 got to like you know like she has like such a specific voice and like yeah just having this is like and you know like i kind of i could look like her in drag so like yes i know oh oh my god well you know coulda woulda shoulda everything happens for a reason and i don't think that you made any mistakes there's i guess i guess this is just an example of when you know better you do better right yeah yeah exactly but um yeah though yeah well hopefully you'll hopefully you'll have an opportunity in the future to do a stacy mckenzie impersonation at some point because i need that is something that i will pay to see (laughs) so you prior to coming on the show I had, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with any of the queens. And then to see the first episode and to hear that you're a baby queen, you've only been doing, you'd only been doing drag for two years. That blew my mind. How and when did you first start doing drag? I started doing drag in Quebec City before I moved to Montreal because I'm from Quebec City. Um, yeah, so I, I started when I was 19. And there was a, because, you know, like when I was 18, I kind of started, you know, going to see drag shows. And I was like, okay, that's like, I really want to do it. So I started practicing in my room. I started practicing my makeup and stuff. And um, yeah, so I started doing drag like at one show because like so, somebody needed a backup. And I was, you know, they, they knew I was, you know, experimenting with drag. So she was like, oh, do, do you want to? do the show and I was like oh sure and then I freaked out because I need it because I'm like a perfectionist and I love everything to be perfect but um yeah and people liked me from the first show and um that was fun yeah and then in and in the girl group challenge you said that you uh that you're a part of some local pop drag girl groups in Montreal yes I'm part of the pussycat drag from the spice drags and also from um we do we do like a little mixed show so yeah, there's a lot of like choreographies and um and stuff and dancing. Incredible. So I, I feel I feel like for so many queens making it to to the the drag race world is mm. like is like the ultimate dream. It's the goalpost that so many queens aspire to. Not all, uh, you know, for very obvious reasons. Mm-hmm, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a it's a massive world of drag, and this is only one small one small chapter of it. But was was getting on the show a vision that you held for yourself prior to being cast on it? Um, well, before before they announced Canada Drag Race, I didn't really think it would be possible for us to get on the show. So I like I was doing drag, you know, just to do drag because I loved it. And then the opportunity came up and I was like, oh shit, like I, I need to like I need to get on because I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I feel like this would be the gr- a great opportunity for me to just, you know, like launch my career and just, you know, take as many as I can and last for a longer time. And make really like a brand on the show. And I feel like I, I really, yeah, it really pushed in that direction. It's fun. Mm, mm-hmm. What do you think the greatest lessons are that you learned from from being on the show? Um, um the greatest lessons. Um, one of them would be to not do Mariah Carey for Snatch Game. <laughs> uh, one of them would be to <laughs> when you have to do Snatch Game, you have to practice in front of other people because I did not do that, and that mm. that would have helped you know to know like okay, like this is not like working. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I feel like it's um, 
to not underestimate myself because I feel like I, I kind of did that, but like on the show, I really pushed myself to be more confident and I really mm. pushed myself to, you know, like, yeah, to be more confident and to be more sure of myself and to trust my guts. I feel like that's mm. one of the main things that I learned on the show is that my guts is often right. And yeah, mm. always do your best all the time. Mm-hmm. I know that you were, um, I don't know if you were close, but you were certain, you certainly knew Rita Bega yes. uh, when you, before you walked into the workroom, you said that she had booked you on some of your first gigs in Montreal and you had watched, uh, Kine's YouTube videos teaching mm-hmm. how to do, how to do, uh, wigs. Um, were you familiar with any of the other Queens? Um, I was familiar. Well, of course, like anybody on the, sh- well, anybody, like not anybody, but like, like a lot of super fans I like go on the reddits and I read like the speculations of like oh like who could be on the show so like I kind of I I googled them all but like Jimbo I didn't know her but I I I heard of started Bobo in the past for sure I worked with Priyanka once in Quebec City um I I knew of course Tanumi Banks Tanumi Banks was like you know she's iconic she has such a huge name in Toronto so like I knew her um who else did I know I Never heard of Lemon before, like, when I was, like, on my way to the airport watching the Reddit. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, there was a lot of big names. And it was kind of intimidating, of course. But at the same time, I was like, I, I'm here for a reason. So I, I'm, I, have, I have to trust myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that um, that Rita Baga really is. I mean, she is not only an, an actual drag mother to so many queens, but it very, mm-hmm. very much it very much has the essence and energy of one. Um, I want to know about what your dynamic with her was like prior to being on the show. And do you do you have your own drag mother and your own drag family as well? I do have my own drag family. It's in Quebec City. Uh, they're the Shotsies. I'm still, you know, I'm still part of the family, but like I, I'm not pulling my name in the in my family name in the. Um, in my name because like it's hard to write and it's just for branding but still like I, I do feel like I, I I you know I still like I belong to this family but um in Montreal yes um Rita Vega is always was always like one of the the queens to um to believe in me and to you know book me for things and she would trust me and she gave me like my um because I was a shooter girl at Cabaremado so like I would sell shots and like she was the one like inviting me to to have this this job and you know it lasted mm. for a long time and you know she always was encouraging me and always giving me opportunities and putting me out there and yeah she was always supportive in my career and on Drag Race we see that she was also an emotional support and um, not just that but like she we really wanted ourselves to do like the best we could do on the show. It's, I mean, it's so obvious to to us on the main stage and then the viewers at home as well that so many elements of your inspiration come from fashion and come from fashion yeah. models. But but uh, who who are your greatest inspirations? Um, my greatest inspirations. I feel like my because you know, like yes, I I like fashion, but at the same time, I don't really see myself as a look queen because like I I I'm a bit more of a performer. So I like I I love drag queens that can mix comedy and being fierce. So of course, Bob the drag queen, Monet Exchange, uh, Miss Cracker. I love them so much. Um, mm. I love um, of course, I love Naomi Small. She's just mm. like you know an icon, and she's amazing. RuPaul as well. Shea mm-hmm. uh, Coulee. Congrats to mm. her. She finally mm. won. <laughs> I love Shikulay so much. Yeah, like oh, if people can be fierce and be funny and um, own it and still be fierce and kind, I think that's like one of the main things that I value. Yeah. 
Mm, that's beautiful. What advice do you think that you would give to Kiara today if she were going into this experience? Mm, uh, the Kiara that went on Drag Race, or the, the, the after? Sure. Or... Let's get let's get let's give both. Okay. Let's say let's say let's let's say we're your your Kiara today is is jumping back in time to Kiara about to step foot into the workroom, and then let's also talk. I, I love doing the double questions. I also want to know um, what 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 lessons you learned or what intention you would bring into the workroom again if you were to come back for let's say all stars hmm uh, i would totally tell kiara to um trust herself to um hmm trust her guts trust herself and that she has everything in her power to go till the end and that you know even though she doesn't go till the end then you know like you you take every moment and you make it your own and if I had to um, tell myself an advice for all stars or whatever, is to um, to plan everything in order to win. I feel like you know, just in my runways, there was some runways that were a bit like okay, that were that were like you know, y you guys called it like a bit basic, and I do agree because like I'm I did not like reinvent drag with those looks, but mm -hmm. um, I feel like there was also some very 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 good runways that were coming, but you mm -hmm. know. When mm. you, know, so you you don't really get to see like the order of things, so I feel like all my meh moments were at the beginning, so we didn't get to see like all the wow moments that were about to come. Mm. So um, yeah, to always make sure that every moment and every look is planned to um, to wow the judges, and that every that when I get to do a challenge, it's always you know don't don't do it to be safe, but do it to win because like you want to win at the end, you know. Definitely. I would I wouldn't say, Kiara, that every look that you brought to us was a mech <laughs> moment. I mean, even even straight out the gate, I know this wasn't your drag that you brought, but your first challenge, the, the design challenge was so creative mm -hmm. and so well done. But it's also part of your drag though. It's also like I, I do have like this very like beauty, like beautiful queen, but right. at the same time, like I, I I've always been like when I get to be creative, I always go like to uh themes that are not necessarily like what people would expect me to do but it's still like part of me it's still like i still mm. love those ooky spooky looks well i think that's why i think that's why you i mean you may not have been in the top that episode but you were safe you certainly weren't in the bottom because it was still it was really well done and we could still feel the essence of you even if it was the first time that we were seeing you on the runway <laughs> and i'm excited to see what your other looks may be and it may not be on our main stage but you know like getting to follow you queens now on instagram and on social media you are you're so fucking stunning kiara i love yeah oh i mean it i think that you're such an interesting voice to drag it's such a it's such a young um feeling with a very interesting perspective i love that you can bring in like naomi smalls does the um the fashion with the camp and the comedy i very much see all of your inspirations and your favorite queens incorporated into into your drag as well it's uh yeah it's you you were chosen to join us on season one for a reason you're a forever a part of the drag race family we just want to let you know that we love you and we think you're doing a great job kiara thank you so much jeffrey thank you yeah. Absolutely, we mean it. Um, one last question. I want to know what was what was your most impactful moment or memory being on set with us? Uh, uh, my most impactful moment, I, hmm, uh, I think it would be. Um, well, even though I was like in the low, like in the ranking, like in the ranking, I feel like um, the the ranking i mean um i episode three kiki one and kai kai people really like yes. 
grabbed on it. People really like got like stuck to it. And I, you know, I feel like that's like one of the things that people like remember me for. So yeah. Girl, you better watch yourself when this COVID shit is over and you go back out there in the world because all anybody's going to be want to be doing with you is Kai Kai. So (laughs) thank you. Always wear protection, honey. Always wear protection. I wear my mask. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Thank you so much for bringing every ounce of your charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent to the first season of our show, Kiara. It wouldn't have been nearly what it was without your fierce and fabulous energy. We we really do love you, and we can't wait to see what comes next. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. De rien. Au revoir. All right, kitty girls, thanks for following along with us. I'd love to hear from the listeners what you think, what your favorite moments are so far, who your standouts are, share your comments, and spread the love on Instagram and Twitter at World of Wonder, hashtag Canada's Drag Race Podcast. We'll be sure to put links in the show notes to all of our Queen's social pages so you'll know where to find them, along with Mary Walsh, Brooklyn Height, Stacey McKenzie, and myself. Once again, you can catch all new episodes of Canada's Drag Race every Thursday night on WoW Presents Plus in the United States and Select Territories, Crave and Canada, BBC Three in the UK, and Stan in Australia. We'll see you all back here next week with another extra special guest. And remember, drag is shady, but it's cute to be kind. So if y'all don't got nothing nice to say, shut the fuck up. I'm JBC, and I'll see you next time. Bye.